This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. There's not that much climbing at the Mesquite Flats in right. Death Valley. At the Kelso Dunes, again, these are 600 plus feet up. And, and so we were there one time. You you said, let's go. Let's go climb to the top. And sometimes and after being married a million years, you realize <laughs> – it's easier just to do the thing <laughs> than to argue about, <laughs> than to argue about it. <laughs> so I knew what was coming, but I said, "Yeah, let's. That's fine. We'll we'll do it, mm-hmm. honey." This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories of adventures and misadventures as we traveled to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. Today's episode is about our favorite public lands where you can be outdoorsy near Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, they say that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but we'll be sharing some of the things we like to do when we're there. All of the places we talk about today are a short driving distance of no more than an hour or so from the Strip. Which means if you're staying on the Strip, or downtown Las Vegas for that matter, you can enjoy all the man-made wonders of Sin City, yet still get away and spend some time in some beautiful natural settings. Definitely. Now to kick things off, we discuss our National Park Passport books, and at the end of the episode, we'll answer a question from a listener in our mailbag segment. So you'll be happy to hear that as I'm packing up for this next road trip, on the top of my pile that's growing by the front door is my National Park Passport book, which I always seem to forget when we go on these road trips. I'm I'm glad you're taking it with us this time. (laughs) You know, I thought after we went to all the national parks, I kind of retired the book because I thought I was done. You gave up. You started late and then you gave up. You, you, I had stamps before you. You are never going to let me forget that, are you? No, because when I first got my National Parks passport, you made fun of me. So that was back at the Grand Canyon, wasn't 2006. it? 2006. Mm-hmm. That was before we even did the parks trip. Right. And we went to the Grand Canyon and I remember, I don't, how did you even find out about it though? I was just looking around and I was looking at the, passport display and a ranger came over and she started explaining to me what it was and I was sold. I was like ready to I I was ready to buy. And so she ushered us over to she opened up a separate line to check us out. That's right. And uh, you 
you made fun of me. So, well, I, oh, this is yeah, this is what the second graders bring to the parks to get their stamps okay. at each passport. And I did. I admit that. I did think it was for kids. And I got a little bit of a head start because I got a few stamps before I before got Before you board. did. And then you, you got yours. And now, mm-hmm. and then we went to all the national parks. We, we got all the stamps. And then you stopped. We both kind of stopped getting stamps, even though we would go back to national parks. We'd go back to national park service unit sites right to mm-hmm. and they have stamps all the monuments and then and... we started realizing maybe we should just we should get those stamps too and so now we're back to having it with us at all times we should probably explain what it is for people who don't know well every national park unit and there's over 400 of them they have an official stamp that says it's a round stamp with a date in the middle so you can adjust the date so you can make sure it it says the, that day's date, and it'll say the the park or the monument's name at the top, and usually the the location, like the city or or some kind of location at the bottom, and it's round. They're all pretty much the same, and you they sell this book, and it's like ten bucks or something. Yeah, it's it's inexpensive, mm-hmm. and it's and it's organized by geographical region, and then there are these pages that can accommodate, oh, I don't know, anywhere from four to eight of these circular stamps. So it's a collector's thing. Now, not only does every unit have a stamp, but many units have multiple stamps. So if you go to a national park like Yellowstone, they'll have they'll have one for Mammoth Hot Springs area and one for the Old Faithful area. They, they, they might have dozens of stamps for a national mm-hmm. park. And, and then people get kind of really into collecting every stamp of every unit. So that becomes way more than 400. It comes, well, becomes thousands. Exactly, because I remember when we hiked down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and we stayed at Phantom Ranch, I had no idea there was a Phantom Ranch stamp. And of course, we didn't bring our passport know, books with us. But so. we did have, we, we found something. I think we found a piece of stationery, a Phantom Ranch sheet of stationery in the cabin. And then we got that, got the stamp on the stationery, not not the same as the passport. I, I I feel it still counts, kind of. And then, of course, what happens is, for some reason, we won't have our passport with us, or it we can't find it. And then I've been buying new books. I know you have. I think we have like ten now we have, with random stamps through I on them. Figured out how to put additional pages in a, in a passport. So what I do is, it's on a spiral binder and then I take a razor blade and I just carefully cut the pages at the spiral binding and you cut all of the uh, just make a slit at each wire binding and then you can pull the page out and you can slip it in another passport book so you can add pages that way and if you do it carefully they'll never come out. It's it's perfectly secure in there. So you can, <laughs> if you have to, you can buy a new book at a, at a park, get the stamp, and then cut that page and put it in your other passport and, and consolidate them all. I need to do that because I'm embarrassed to say I have some stamps that have been stamped in the wrong geographical section, which I'm pretty sure is a no-no. Well, we, that, so. we, we were trying to have these pristine passports and when we went to all, when we did the journey to all the national parks, and of course, I made the the ultimate mistake. 
sometimes you stamp it in the wrong region, which is that's pretty bad. <laughs> but I was so careful. I had this perfect passport book going, and I was lining this stamp up just perfect. And I stamped, and as soon as I did it, I realized the stamp was upside down. I know. <laughs> and that I had to have to live with that imperfection. Since then, I've, I have several upside-down stamps. And then we went to Alcatraz. I went to Alcatraz on a – I was – on a business trip in San Francisco, and the date was ripped out of the middle of the stamp. <sighs> so I had I, I got it anyway. People who've read Dear Bob and Sue know that you're very particular about those stamps, and you also triple check the date because sometimes the date doesn't get advanced to the correct date or somebody messes with it. So I know you always like practice on mm. blank pieces of paper before you put it in the book. And then sometimes you try to goof me and tell me the wrong date and then I have to double check it and know that you're you're trying to trick me. And We still need to go back to Great Basin National Park Visitor Center because I remember out of all the, when we went to all the national parks, they had like a misshapen, they had a giant stamp, like, you know, it, like a it giant was, baby head stamp. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was an odd stamp. I, I, and you looked at I it and you were like, I didn't what want to stamp heck? my book, but, but we had to get all the stamps from all the parks. And then, and then we were at Swaharo. This was on our original journey. And the person in the bookstore was very enthusiastic and she came over and she almost started stamping my book for me. She had a she had a stamp of a Swaharo and like of a lizard and things. And she was gonna like adorn my book and I had to put my body in between me and the and the, <laughs> the between her and the passport to protect my passport. She was gonna like start scrapbooking right there. Yeah. So. Well that's the other thing too, is there are a lot of cool um they usually have animal stamps, and sometimes they'll have if there's a scenic byway that goes through the park. No, no, they have a lot that. of yeah. extra stamps yeah, that's, too. Okay, buy a color book, a coloring <laughs> book, and yeah. So we yeah. still do that. We, we're we're kind of back on the stamp collecting. Yeah, I, I'm no longer going to forget my my passport book because I feel like you're getting way ahead of me on the stamps. Oh yeah, I'll always yeah I'll always be ahead of you. I, I also keep mine. You don't do this. I keep mine in a waterproof pouch. <laughs> God. <laughs> so that it's protect, extra layer of protection. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be taking uh, that on our next trip. We will. And I, I will it's, officially apologize for making fun of you and uh, for ridiculing you because it's actually a really cool thing to do. I, I accept your official apology. <laughs> Most of the time when people think of Las Vegas, they think of indoor activities. Right, they mm -hmm. think of casinos and restaurants and shows and things. I know you, most people never see the light of day, in, except when they walk from casino to casino. Right, but today we're going to talk about things that you can do in the Las Vegas area that are outdoor. There's a lot of great outdoor things to do. It's in, amazing yeah. how many cool things there are to do. We love Las Vegas as a jumping-off point for a lot of the parks. We fly to Vegas because it doesn't it seem like there are always lots of flights and they're relatively cheap. Well, coming from Seattle, there's a lot of inexpensive flights and they're often enough. So if we missed a flight, we could get another one an hour later. And the rental cars are inexpensive. So a lot of times we'll fly into Vegas, rent a car, go up to Zion and Bryce or Grand Canyon. And it, it's fairly economical trip if you're just going 
in and out. Uh, so we, we do that. And then, of course, over the years, we've gone to Vegas for birthday parties and bachelor parties and business conferences and things like that. And, and oftentimes over the years with business conferences, you're stuck in these meetings or banquet halls for days. And it's nice if you have a few hours of a break to get out of the indoor spaces and do some things outdoors. So we, we have some ideas for you. So today we're going to be talking about some amazing places that you can go for day trips right from Vegas. Now, it's good to note the best time to do these would be pretty much any time except the summer. It's pretty warm right? In, in the summer. And some of these places we're talking about, they're out in the open in the desert area. Mm-hmm. And when it's 105 degrees, it's dangerous. So mm-hmm. We did a lot of these parks and public lands in January, which it turned out to be a good time for us. But J- January can still be a little cold in that area. It yep. can snow occasionally. And we've, we've done some uh, February and early March mm-hmm. trips. And it's it, it can be very nice in March. Yeah, I think spring and fall are... are a wonderful time to go. So we'll get started on telling you about some of these places. And if you want to go to Vegas and really hit the jackpot, you should check some of these places out. Yeah, that's that is such a <laughs> that's a such a clever way to get the word jackpot into into the. Just bike. wait and see yeah, what else I yeah, can I work could, into this I, episode. I will wait. <laughs> The first place we'll talk about is Red Rock Canyon National Conservation Area. Not to be confused with Red Rocks, the the music venue in Denver, <laughs> which is what we always think of. It's Red Rock Canyon National Conservation Area. It's a, a Bureau of Land Management land. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty close to the Strip. It's just a few miles west of the suburb of Summerlin. And it usually takes us about 30 minutes to drive there from the Strip. But it is a gorgeous piece of land, about 200,000 acres. And obviously, by the name, mm-hmm. one of its features is that it has incredible red rocks. Uh, there are other colored rocks there, too. But it's this odd little spot in the desert where there's the outcropping of rocks and these these peaks they're just beautiful it is it seems like every time we fly in and out of vegas we fly over red rock canyon and it just stands out so strikingly against the desert it's it's absolutely beautiful now we'll warn you though that it is so it's a it's a fee park it last time we were there it's like 15 dollars a car it can get crowded there have been times when we've seen the lineup to get into just get into the park where you pay pay the fee all the way out to the highway. So if you're going, particularly if it's a busy season, you want to try to get there early. Mm-hmm. Or better yet, go on a weekday. It's a very popular place for the local residents to hike, and they get over 2 million visitors a year. Now, through the park is a 13-mile, one-way scenic road. and One lane. One, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> one it's way, one lane. One way, one lane. <laughs> It's actually about one and a half lanes. <laughs> it, it is the the lane is just wide enough that it tempts people to pass you or tempts me to pass the person in front of me. I and don't think you can safely do that though. No, can you? you you can't, although I, I will say that I've done it before. There's some pullouts <laughs> that if if you're a slow driver, please use the pullouts. Now the I, I get a little frustrated by slow drivers. 
Oh, oh really? Yes, so, so sometimes. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. <laughs> sometimes when they when they're driving five miles an hour and there's seventy two cars behind them, and I get even more frustrated when I'm the third or fourth or fifth car behind them because I can't honk. I could honk. But I'm not sure that the slow driver is going to hear my honk or worse, the the car right in front of me thinks I'm honking at them. It really is, and this should be a universal (laughs) standard that everyone agrees to, it's the person right behind the slow driver whose job it is to honk and just make people aware. Sometimes they get lost in the scenery and they're enjoying themselves, which which is perfectly fine. Driving slow is fine. However, if there's a lot of cars behind you, pull over, let the other cars go. And sometimes they need a little honk to remind them that there's 72 cars behind them. It, but it's the car right behind the slow driver <laughs> whose, whose job it is. Maybe you could get them to put that on the rules of, of this park. Or um. maybe... Will make signs that go on the road. So along the scenic drive, there are a lot of trailheads. Um, they have miles of hiking trails in this park. Uh, people also rock climb and mountain and road bike, and they even horseback ride. So there's a lot to do here. A couple of really popular trails, I think maybe the most popular is Turtlehead Peak, which is four and a half miles round trip. And that's a difficult hike. I have tried that a couple of times when I've been in Vegas on on my own for business and I have a break and I have a few hours or a day off. And I've done that trail and I've never gotten to the peak because I've lost the trail. And I now I've learned from talking to people that that's a, a common thing. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what I was doing wrong, but if you plan on doing that hike, definitely stop at the visitor center and Talk to the information desk and get uh, specific instructions because the the trail kind of veers off in an odd way as you get kind of a two-thirds of the way up. Yeah, that's a really good tip. Uh, They do have, we forgot to mention, they do have a really nice visitor center right at the beginning before you start this 13-mile loop. So you can stop in there and get all kinds of great um, hiking suggestions. My favorite hike that we've done a couple of times is that uh, White Rock Mountain Loop. That's about a little over six miles. And it seems like the terrain on that hike changes greatly because we start out in the desert and then we go up in elevation and all of a sudden we're in this pinyon pine forest. I think it's it's a beautiful hike. I, I like that hike a lot. It is one of those hikes that seems to be uphill either way you go. <laughs> we've done it clockwise. We've done it counterclockwise. And somehow it's uphill the whole way, either either directions. Maybe maybe that it has to do with the fact that we've been in Vegas and maybe we weren't properly hydrated <laughs> when we were doing the hikes. That could be. That could be. <laughs> anyway, the whole Red Rock Canyon area is beautiful and definitely worth checking out. So next up, we're going to talk about Lake Mead National Recreation Area, which is a National Park Service site, and it's the reservoir. It's the reservoir. <laughs> it's the lake that, <laughs> that's created by Hoover Dam. Thank you. <laughs> what are you doing? Over I don't there? know. My my mouth does, isn't working this early right. in the morning. <laughs> So there is a really nice visitor center, the Allen Bible Visitor Center, and that's actually in another suburb of Vegas um, called Boulder City. Yeah, now the National Park website will 
list all sorts of things that you can do in the park uh-huh. in, in the area they they list by you know things you can do on the water on the land by car by foot by concessionaire we have never been interested in the water on the water activities so much now it, it that's affected a little bit by in recent years the lake's down quite a bit yes it is because of mm-hmm. of the long-term drought and so uh, it's still a beautiful area the Overlooks to the lake are, are spectacular. However, the the lake is down. Mm-hmm, it is, and I always knew at Lake Mead that people there was boating and water skiing and scuba diving and fishing and canoeing and kayaking. But I had no idea until we actually checked it out that there were so many hiking trails in this park, and also there are nine wilderness areas. Right the the recreation area extends beyond the dam. Mm-hmm. I always thought that Lake Mead National Recreation Area was the lake area and, and the just the land kind of around the lake. But it goes south below the dam, and that's where you get some really cool uh, areas to hike in. And then, the, of course, below the dam, it's back to the Colorado River. Right, and it's, it's beautiful down there. Now, the hike that we chose to do when we were there in January was – called the White Rock Canyon Trail, not to be confused with the one we talked about in Red Rock Canyon called White Rock Mountain Trail. So this particular trail is closed mid-May through September due to extreme heat. I guess they've had to rescue quite a few people out there. So now they just close the trail. Yeah. Now, a, a tip if you're looking for the trailhead. When we go and we're coming from the Las Vegas area, we're driving driving away from Vegas on Mm. 93, and you can't get to the trailhead from that side of the highway. You have to then cross back over and then come back towards the Las Vegas area. And it is, you can get off the highway onto the little gravel parking lot from that side of the highway. And it took us (laughs) several tries to figure that out. It was very confusing. Once you you know how to do it, it's not hard, but we we see the parking lot and we can't figure out how to get over there. But then once you're there, it's it's a large parking lot and and the trailhead's pretty uh, obvious where where it starts. Right, and there are three different hikes that start from this particular trailhead. You can hike to Arizona Hot Springs, you can hike to Liberty Bell, and you can do the hike that we did, which, again, is White Rock Canyon. So we decided to do that, uh, White Rock, to the Colorado River. And it's just under three miles each way. And if, if you're at the trailhead and you you see the trail that says Liberty Bell, you're, you're going the right way to go to White Rock Canyon. It's mm-hmm. the same trail for... I don't. I don't want to say exactly the distance, but I think a ways it's about a mile. About a, about a mile, mm-hmm. and then there's a sign. And one thing we loved about the White Rock Trail is it goes through this beautiful little slot canyon. It's this cool slot canyon, and it protects you a little bit from the sun and and the heat uh, if it's later in the year and it's starting to get warm. And you just keep going downhill, downhill. It, it seems like a longer hike than it actually is, but it's beautiful. It seems longer because you can never see the end of the trail, which is the Colorado River, because you're in this slot canyon. So you never 
or we were never quite sure how much further we had to go until literally you come out of the canyon and there's the river. But it was beautiful. And that river was a gorgeous spot. We sat and had lunch and there were some kayakers going by. And yeah, it was a be- beautiful little spot. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's called Black Rock Canyon Wilderness is because there are so many black rocks along the riverbank cliffs. And it, it's really striking. It was very peaceful down there. Like we said, the Lake Mead is down and uh, under below Hoover Dam, then it turns back into nice, calm Colorado River. And it, it's a river feel and kind of peaceful down there. We were wandering around and we were surprised. We kind of stumbled upon some campers. I didn't even realize you could just set up camp there. Yeah, they had uh, canoed up river and then found this campsite fairly close to where the trail comes out and, and meets the river. Uh, and they were just set up and it, it did look like a nice little spot. Mm-hmm. And those it, were the folks with the friendly dog, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they they had a dog. I, I, I never understand why people are, when they're in the parks and they have dogs that look, that are very aggressive and they don't want to put it on a leash or dog. And so it was very intimidating because the, the trail went right went right through their campsite and mm-hmm. we always had to run away from this I know. dog. He was he had a very mean bark. Right. <laughs> and he right. seemed to be looking right at you. Yeah, yeah. And they were <laughs> unconcerned that he was about ready to take my leg off. <laughs> so we went south along the banks of the river for a while and we climbed up on one rock and just sat there. It was it, perched over the river and sat there for a long time and maybe had another snack. And you kept taking photos of mm-hmm. uh, so pretty. of a duck. Like oh. you, you took photos of a duck <laughs> like for, a thousand pictures for of that about duck. a half an hour. I think I left you. And then <laughs> then you start hiking. You start hiking away from me. And I kind of hollered over like, where are you going? And you said, well, I want to I want to check out this other area because – there is another way to go back. We, we don't have to go back on the same trail. And uh, there's supposed to be a ladder over here where you can get up to this this other trail. And I said, mm-hmm. fine, like we can we can check that out. And you didn't tell me until we were <laughs> there and you were trying to make our way back. There were some other things you wanted to see. Yes. I'd found out when I read about this trail that you can do it as a loop. Um, So I had mentioned earlier that there's a trailhead to the Arizona Hot Springs. It connects to the White Rock Canyon. So you can just do the whole thing as a loop and see both sides. But what I also read about the Hot Springs side of this loop is that you're actually hiking through Hot Springs, you know, up to your knees. For a ways. For a ways, up to your knees, up to your thighs. And the National Park Service has posted both on the website and I saw a sign, I saw a photo of a sign that says there is a chance that if if you get any of this hot springs water up your nose, you could become infected with a brain-eating parasite. Yeah, I, I I don't do brain-eating parasites. It's a little concerning. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't care what how incredible the hike would be. I'm not going. I'm not going to hike through water that has brain-eating parasites. Well, but the thing is, though, it has to go up your nose. So if you swallowed it, you'd be okay. okay. It literally has to go up your nose and it travels to your brain. Yeah, I'm going to call bullshit on that. <laughs> like this 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 bacteria it. It knows. Okay. 
I'm in the stomach <laughs> where I, I, I can't get to the brain, but if it goes up your nose. So I did some research on this afterwards. Because mm-hmm. so you didn't to, believe me. So to make a long story short, I, I, I was out. Yeah, I, we didn't it, do it. it. I'm, not it do, was... I'm not doing brain-eating uh, bacteria. But this is a pretty bad bacteria. The CDC said, now, granted, in the last 50 years, only about 150 people in the United States have been infected by this. So it's extremely rare. They all died, I think. I mean, it's it's fatal. <laughs> Almost everyone. And I'm not or I'm not won- making I'm not making fun mm-hmm. of people who died. Mm-hmm. It's just that it, there's the survival serious. rate is almost zero. Right. Very serious. So, uh, so I, I didn't I didn't want to risk the brain eating. No, no. So this bacteria is called Negleria fowleri. And yeah, it's it's nothing to mess around with. And I did see again, I saw photos from people's blogs about this hike. People are sitting in these hot springs up to their armpits, like soaking in the hot springs. You know, that's pretty close to your nose, <laughs> yeah. I have to say. And I am sure that I am being oversensitive mm-hmm. to this issue, right? I, I'm being a little alarmist, but I, I don't I don't want to risk it. Yeah, I, I'm a little uh clumsy on trails too and i could just see myself tripping yeah, and going go face first into the water and yeah. then it's up your nose mm-hmm. it's up your nose and so. then <laughs> yeah yeah and there are already many times that i feel like i have a brain eating bacteria anyway <laughs> so sometimes it seems like you do <laughs> yeah oh, oh it does <laughs> okay this reservoir <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Anyway, we so we hiked back the way we came on the same trail and uh, it's beautiful. So regardless of whether you do both sides or one side, uh, we highly recommend. I like the fact that you were you were trying to sneak that in. You weren't going to tell me about it. I I think your your conscience got the better of you. And then you finally told me about this danger. Yeah. Well, I figured you were going to see the sign anywhere. Well, I was anyway. Gonna, I, I was going to do the research afterwards. Yeah. So I, I did see after we were there, I saw some photos on Instagram of this beautiful green cave that's listed as being in Lake Mead National Recreation Area. And so when I did some more research, it's called Emerald Cave, and it's on that same stretch of the Colorado River. Apparently, you kayak um, up to it. It's two miles upstream from Willow Beach. So the photos are gorgeous. Next time, I think it would be fun if we went to Willow Beach, rented some kayaks, got ourselves up there and went into this cave. Now, it's not, I know you don't like caves, but it's it's open and you're just sort of, in, it's more like a grotto. Let's mm. call it a grotto. Is there any anything else <laughs> I should know about this? Like uh, there is no vampire bats in there. Or <laughs> no brain eating amoebas up there. Dragons. So anyway, that's on my list for next time. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. I I will research that and make sure it's <laughs> yeah. safe. Well, after that, we went up to back to the Allen Bible Visitor Center area, and there's a little parking lot uh, just off of there that we parked so that we could uh, hike the historic railroad trail. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty easy trail. Uh, obviously, it's it's along a railroad grade, so there's not a lot of ups and downs, and it's either gravel or paved. I think the entire way. Mm-hmm. 
It's the only remaining section of the railroad bed that ran from Boulder City to Hoover Dam back when they were building the dam. Uh, So this is the only section that remains. And if you do the whole thing out and back, it's about seven and a half miles round trip. Now, it's the trail is open to walkers and bikers and dogs. Yeah, but it's a wide trail and it goes through Mm -hmm. a few tunnels, which are are cool Mm -hmm. to see. Yeah. And it sits up above Lake Mead. So you have some fantastic views of the lake as you walk along this. So highly recommend. And it doesn't take long. So even if you only have an hour or two, definitely stop by the visitor center, check it out and do this historic railroad trail. It's it's really wonderful. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another interesting outdoor destination by Las Vegas is Valley of Fire State Park. And we've we've mentioned this before that when we went to all of the national parks starting about 10 years ago, we really weren't paying attention to the state parks that were in the areas that we were traveling to. And, and now over the last several years, we've been seeking these out. And this is a great example of, it's a fantastic state park. Oh my gosh, it's one of my, it's in my top five lists of fantastic state parks. Uh, Yeah, and it just happens to be Nevada's first state park and also its largest at over 40,000 acres. And it has this beautiful red Aztec sandstone everywhere. It's, It's a beautiful park. It's about an hour, maybe a little bit more than an hour, depending on the traffic Mm -hmm. from the Las Vegas Strip. Mm -hmm. Northeast. Um, It's not that far from the Strip, and you feel like you're uh, a million miles away from a place like Las Vegas. Yeah. And if you can, you want to plan to spend a whole day in the park. Right. I had a lot of stuff on my outline, and we actually got to see it all. But we were there from – we got there early, like maybe 7 a.m., and I think we were there until at least 5. So we're going to talk about some of the things we did. We were there. So here's a here's a tip. If you're there in January, February, and you're sitting in your hotel room, and it's – 32 degrees out and you think, well, it's, this is too cold of a day to go to a park or do an outdoor activity. When we went there, it was in the thirties when we got there Mm -hmm. and it was a beautiful day. The sun was out and we were never cold. So sometimes it can be cold in the morning, but still that turned out to be a beautiful day. I mean, it's a little chilly. Yeah, but, you definitely want to have a jacket. It, it warmed up quick. and mm-hmm. Yeah, our first stop after, right when we uh, went through the pay station, 
there were some bighorn sheep. Remember that? Yeah. Right. They crossed the road right in front of us. So we had to stop and you were taking photos. That was actually our first stop, our first unplanned stop. But that was really cool to see. And then we headed to Atlatl Rock, which is a petroglyph panel that sits about maybe 75 feet off the ground. And you have to climb a metal staircase to view it. I've never figured out how, obviously, whoever put those petroglyphs there, didn't have a 75-foot metal staircase. I know. (laughs) And when you look at the rocks, it's not obvious that they could have climbed up there. Something doesn't make sense, but there they are. I know. Up high. Yeah, and they're beautiful to see. Yeah, and, and now there's a staircase to go up to them. These petroglyphs are Native American rock art, and the the these particular ones are over 4,000 years old. Do you want to explain exactly what an atlatl is? I'm, I'm not super clear on that. It has something to do with it's a. It's like the stick that you can you hook a spear into, and it's a device to assist throwing a spear. And I, I guess the leverage is just a certain way that you can really get a lot of momentum behind it. And if you're good at it, rather than having a bow and arrow, they just you just have this atlatl and and your spear and you can chuck a spear pretty far pretty accurately to to hunt and so basically that's what it is and i guess there's competitions they have uh people still do this for fun and they the world atlatl association competition does their festival there every year yeah, I saw that on the National Park website. I guess it's every March and people come from across the country to compete in this uh in this event. I think it would be fun to go. It looks like they have, a, you know, a whole weekend of activities and I think we should put that on our calendar for next March. Okay. And maybe you could even be in the competition yeah, if you I, practiced. <laughs> <laughs> you you like to sign me up for stuff. <laughs> After that, we I saw that there were petrified logs in the park, so I really wanted to see them. So we did a short hike uh, to see the petrified logs, which were cool, but it was kind of a buzzkill because they were like in jail. Remember they that? Were, they were in jail, <laughs> they, I, I guess, to protect from vandals or looters or whatever. They had these chain link fences around the logs, which is mm-hmm. which is an unusual sight because we've seen a lot of petrified wood out in the desert area and, and took a little bit away from the, yeah, the uh, effect, but I, I understand why they have to do it. Now, at that point, we turned off the main park road onto the White Dome Scenic Byway, and this is a gorgeous drive. Uh, if you ever see photos on Instagram or any place else of Valley of Fire State Park and they show a curvy road that goes up and down and surrounded by these huge boulders and rocks, it's most likely the White Dome Scenic Byway. Yeah, I think we tried to get a few photos there. We tried. It's tough with the traffic and trying to pull off. and It is, and you have to have the sun just kind of at the right angle. Any, anyway, we'll have to. that's when, we, when I compete for the Atlanta <laughs> World Championship. You, while, I'm do, while I'm throwing the spear, you can tr- go get some photos. I'll stand in the road and take some photos. Uh, we were headed to a place called Mouse's Tank, which is about a half a mile hike through this little canyon that has petroglyphs on both sides of the canyon. It's a little bit like a treasure hunt. That was a fun hike because it was easy and mm-hmm. You know, it was not strenuous. And it, again, it was like a little bit of a treasure hunt because there were petroglyphs kind of hidden mm-hmm. in the rocks uh, along the, the trail. It's, it's a sandy trail. So that, that's that's an easy one. And 
probably a, a, a good hike for families because it's not, not too tough. Right. And from there, we went to the parking area and the trailhead for the fire wave hike, which was the hike I was most excited to do. Uh, It's similar to, or at least the photos I had seen online were similar to the wave in Arizona um, that we finally got to do in January. But sort of those uh, red and beige striped curves. and Yeah, it's it's very similar. Now, just to set expectations, it's not... It's not as dramatic as the wave over by Buckskin Gulch, mm-hmm. but it, it, it is cool. Now, again, uh, be careful of the temperature. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it was starting to get warm. And like I said, it, it was in the 30s when we got to the park. And when we did that hike, it, it got kind of warm. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful place to take photos. Go early if you want to um, get photos with no one else in them. Right. It's a popular place. And it's only about a three-quarter of a mile hike from the parking lot to these beautiful wave-like formations. So it, it's very doable. It wasn't difficult at all. After the fire wave, we went to the White Domes Trail. I like this trail a lot uh, matter of fact we hiked it uh, we maybe twice <laughs> uh, uh, two and a half to, or one and a half times it's about a one and a quarter mile loop uh, from the parking lot if you do it clockwise you start by going down a lot of steps mm-hmm. stone in, steps in, in yeah into this canyon and then you circle around and e- even if it's crowded and it was getting kind of crowded uh once once you get into the canyon you're kind of by yourself you are. And there was a short little slot canyon, very short, that right. was beautiful. Um, so, yeah, it was a great little trail. And as Matt said, we liked it so much and it was so short that we just we did it twice. And I have to say, at this point, it was getting hot. And it was, I mean, as we said, it was January. And I remember we were huffing and sweating pretty hard on that little hike. Right. <laughs> but I liked, I liked that hike. Uh, now, after that, we went over to an area called The Cabins. Mm-hmm. Now, these are uh, they're stone huts that were built in the 30s by the CCC. And th- I think this is fascinating. They are shelters for people who used to take what's called the Arrowhead Trail between L.A. and Salt Lake City. So these are people in automobiles. Right. But I guess back then they had very few accommodations along the road. And, and some, of these, some of these weren't even real roads. They're kind of like trails that you would take your automobile. And these stone huts were there for people. Essentially, they're, they're not, they weren't like hotel rooms or mo- oh, motel very, rooms. They were essentially stone tents or mm-hmm. something other than having to bring a tent along with you. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting that – it was. We'll put some photos of these stone huts uh, up on the website for you to see. They, it was very cool. And also, we walked a little bit around there, and there was there was still a section of the Arrowhead Trail that you could see. And it did. It looked like a, a dirt path, basically. A dirt path that you would take automobiles on. Mm-hmm. The day was getting long, but you had to see <laughs> Elephant Rock. Uh, and it's not a very long hike from no. that cabin's area, but... Yeah, Elephant Rock is this sort of natural arch that if you squint your eyes and imagine it, it looks like an elephant. Yep. 
<laughs> that's when we called it quits. That's right. We, at or, that point, we were pretty much done. But we had a beautiful drive back because we went a different way than we came in. I think we took the North Shore Road through the Lake Mead National Recreation Area. Mm-hmm. Kind of worked our way back towards, towards Las Vegas. It was. It was a great day. One of the places that we love to go to anytime we're in the Las Vegas area is the Mojave National Preserve. We've And we've talked about this on other podcasts. I think it was up episode 10. Mm-hmm. When we did the teardrop trailer camping. Right. Yeah. Now, this is a huge, huge park. It's 1.6 million acres. Uh, now, there's no... No gas or food in the park. Very primitive. And oftentimes, and maybe this is just when we've been there, uh, the visitor center is not open. So just just know that like when you're going in there, have have everything you need with you. And, right. And plenty of gas. Now, we drive Highway 15, Interstate 15, southwest out of Vegas mm-hmm. towards L.A., Right, you yep. actually cross into California. You get into California, yeah. This this uh, mm-hmm. preserves in California, and we take the SEMA Road exit, and that exit, as you then turn south into the park, has a, a gas station there. Make sure you have enough water and gas mm-hmm. before you go in. Yeah, it's only about an hour from the strip to that SEMA Road turnoff, and if you don't have a whole day to see the park, I'd highly recommend. You're just going in and driving along SEMA Road because it has the largest concentration of Joshua trees in the entire world. They are everywhere. And it's a beautiful drive. It's it's totally worth the one hour it takes to get there just to see the Joshua trees. Right. And if you were to do that, if you were just going to go for, let's say, a half a day just to see it, that Tetonia Peak is on that road also. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that far from... Interstate 15, and and we we have hiked that, and that, that's a that's a cool hike. That's a great hike. It's about four miles round trip, takes you up to the top of this little peak, and there are some amazing views from up there. So a couple other things to do in the park. Now, there is a lava tube. We have not done that yet, but it's on my list. Our, our good friend Craig did it, and I saw his photos, and I immediately wanted to go. Uh, the lava tube is in the northwest section of the park, and you have to drive about five miles down a dirt road to get there. And This lava tube, you know, you climb down a ladder into sort of cave-like. I'm not sure if you'd love it, Matt. Yeah, I'll I'll do the research, find out what, what's down there that can kill me. <laughs> but there are these shafts of light that shine down into this cave-like place, and it's very cool. So, yeah, next up, uh, next time we go, I want to hit the lava tube. Yeah, you should you should start concentrating on places above the ground. <laughs> There's a lot of really interesting things above the ground. Although, uh, as as I say that, you. Sometimes, like the Kelso Dunes, which mm. is another place that's above ground. <laughs> the sand dunes. You can see these sand dunes for miles away as you're driving through the park. It, the, the sand dunes run for 45 square miles, and they rise 650 feet above the desert floor. It's pretty impressive. It, it is. And you always have they, – they're always calling you. You, you have know. this idea that – wouldn't it be romantic if we go to the sand dunes and climb to the top and sit there for the sunset? Now we've done we've done that mm-hmm. in Death Valley, and it was romantic. And yeah, the Mesquite Flats area mm-hmm. of Death Valley, although 
there's not that much climbing in the at the Mesquite Flats and right. Death Valley. At the Kelso Dunes, again, these are 600 plus feet up. And, and so we were there one time. You you said, let's go, let's go climb to the top. And sometimes and after being married a million years, you realize <laughs> it's easier just to do the thing <laughs> than to argue about, than to argue about it. <laughs> so I knew what was coming. But I said, yeah, let's, that's fine. We'll, we'll do it, mm-hmm. honey. So I had this romantic image in my mind that we would get up there and we'd watch the sunset. We'd hold hands. And as it turned out, it's about when you park in the parking area, it does start off on a, a trail. Um, and it's about a, a mile and a half to the top of the dunes. And, of course, you lose the trail almost immediately because you're just hiking in sand. But it was a death march. And as we're going up – it's hot. It's windy. We're struggling with each step. And I remember you kept you kept uh, shouting out to me, "How's the romance yeah, level?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you were romantic? sweating. There was there were trails <laughs> of dirty sand running down your face from the sweat. I, th- I thought it was so romantic. <laughs> so we finally made it. We were dying, out of breath, panting, sweaty. We sat up there for a little while. I'll ha- I have to say it was not romantic in the least. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we're recording this uh-huh. so that every the, the world has a record of this so mm. that the next time you suggest <laughs> this, I can just fast forward episode 14 or whatever this is. It's like, here you go. I will say less, a lesson that I've learned is you cannot recreate something wonderful that happened in the past in, in places like these because we have found out that it's always different. It's never the same. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's worse. But you can't go back and recreate a memory. At least right. we haven't been able to. <laughs> We've also learned that hiking up sand in the heat uh, never is fun. We have yet to have fun hiking up sand dunes in uh-huh. the, the extreme heat. So, but that, some people might like it. So I thought we yes, <laughs> some people might. But we don't. Mm-hmm. We probably don't have to do that particular thing again. No, we we do not. But one thing we always do when we go to the park is our favorite trail, which is the Rings Trail, and this is near the Hole in the Wall Campground and Information Center. Now, the Rings Trail is a short hike. It's only about two miles. But we always add on the Barber Peak Loop Trail to make it a longer hike. We have – I think we've done it both ways. But I would recommend going counterclockwise. Yes. Whether you start at the information center or the campground, uh, go counterclockwise. And then the Rings Trail Loop is – it's kind of at the end. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you, you finish. And once you get up through the rings, because you, you want to go up the rings, it's a little slot canyon. And mm-hmm. there's these brass rings that help you go up through it. Uh, that's why it's called the Rings Loop Trail. And when you get through that slot canyon to the top, you're now kind of at this picnic area that then there's a road back down to the information center. I don't think you want to do those that slot canyon going down it the, seems the like it would be difficult. It, you you could yeah. probably do it, but it's mm-hmm. funner doing it the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's a fun little slot, and if you if you have short legs like me, you <laughs> might need somebody to boost short your bottom. Uh, because well, your legs are are like 
proportion to the rest of your body. It's not like you have short, like a regular, regular body and then short legs. So just so people. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> we'll put a picture. We'll put a picture of Karen. On the web, in the web, on the website. <laughs> okay, the they're average. Notes. I'm just saying that uh, these rings are are spaced somewhat far apart from from my size of person. So I think you boosted me a couple times and it helps, but it's fun, and I, I think it's especially fun for kids. Now, one thing, one other thing that we have not done in the park because it was new in 2018 is. You'll be so excited to hear there is now you can go visit the Mitchell Caverns. Uh, and it is a ranger-led cave tour. I guess they sell tickets in advance, and it's very popular. So that is also on my list. Yeah, there's a <laughs> there's a theme here. <laughs> tell me, tell me how that goes. I'll be in Vegas. All right, deal. Yeah. <laughs> So those are a few of the things that you can do outdoors right. in, in Vegas. Mm-hmm. There's There are a couple of others that we won't get into in detail because uh, this episode's probably long enough as it is. But one thing we have done that I think is pretty cool, and we did it on a cloudy, rainy day because it's a good day to do it, is the Hoover Dam Tour. That was actually really interesting. I liked that more than I thought I would. I liked it until I realized that we were – like hundreds of feet down in the dam and they were telling us about the how they measure the cracks in the wall <laughs> and then they and we uh, saw uh, some cracks yeah and they they measure them from time to time to see if they're growing that that that's when i went it out yeah there's an elevator that takes you 530 feet down inside the dam so i would say if anyone has uh claustrophobic issues it might not be a good choice. Yeah, the, the the space, it wasn't close in, although, again, you, you realize that you're inside this mm-hmm. massive dam. And if that freaks you out at all, then yeah. you might want to stay at the slot machine. But it was interesting. The, the dam was built back in the 30s, and it is considered an engineering marvel. So they told us a lot of stories about what went on in the building of the dam. and I do. Yeah, I, I'm glad we did it. I am too. Uh, I don't know that we have to do it again because this is going to be a repeat. But uh, I, yeah, if, if there's particularly if it's not a great weather day. Mm-hmm. And the other thing you can do as part of that tour is when the elevator comes up. Now, this is different than in the past because it used to be that the dam itself is a road. And it used to be that you could just get out of your car and look over the edge of the dam, which is a cool thing to do. Now you can do that as part of the tour. The elevator comes out and now you're up on the road and you can look uh, over both sides of the dam. But you cannot do that Without going on the tour. Right. If you're driving along that road, there's actually security guards because people think this is mm-hmm. a thing to do is stop the car on the road and get out. And the security guards are there to keep people in their cars and moving along unless you're part of the tour. Exactly. They You have to go through security. Um, you have to put your belongings through an x-ray machine. There, there's a lot of security there, as there should be. But if you're interested, they sell advanced tickets online. Just look at the Hoover Dam Bureau of Reclamation website. Now, there is one other place. I'm sure there's others that we haven't mentioned or don't know about. 
a place we haven't been. It's on our list. Looks pretty cool. Not too far from the Strip, which is Sloan Canyon mm-hmm. uh, National Conservation Area. And the cool thing about that area, it's a deserty space. It has a lot of petroglyphs. I think like 300. Right. And again, if if you're going there, you'll have to do your own research online. But there's a couple of roads into the park and the trails are are numbered. And I think that uh, you, you can find you can find photos. We might put a couple of photos on on our show notes page. Uh, but that's another thing. If you if you like petroglyphs, check out Sloan Canyon. Gosh, talking about all this stuff really makes me want to go back. And of course, now you can see how many new things I have to add to our list for next time. Yeah, let's just keep them above the ground. (laughs) We need to go back to Vegas. On our mailbag segment today, we're going to answer a question from Cindy in St. Louis, Missouri. Cindy in St. Louis, that kind of sounds like it should be a song, doesn't it? What? (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> what, no, it doesn't. But what <laughs> question does Cindy have for us? Cindy is going to Olympic National Park, yay, in, which is near our hometown of Seattle. We it's, can see it from our house. Uh, we can see it in our house. One of our favorite places. It's and, not in our house. We can see it from <laughs> our house. <laughs> she only has a day, though, regrettably, and she wants to know if we could only do one thing in Olympic National Park, what would that be? Uh, we get this question in all sorts of forms. Mm-hmm. We, we get this question about many different parks. We've Just, gotten it from like uh, about Yellowstone mm-hmm. and North Cascades, and so this one's about Olympic, and it's so hard She's to, killing us here. To she... narrow it down to one thing, but you're kind of the family Olympic National Park expert. I, I have to defer to you. Like, How would you make the perfect day in Olympic National Park? I would say, I'm going to assume you have an entire day. What time of year is this? <laughs> summer? Yeah, that's a good point. Let, let's just say it's summer or fall. I would go to the Lake Crescent area. If your time is super limited, I would go to Lake Crescent, which is on the north side of the park. Beautiful mountain lake. Yeah, it's a cool lake. Yeah, and there are also Lake Crescent lodges there. So it's beautiful. You can sit on the Adirondack chairs at the lake and have a drink. Of course, you can stay in the lodge if you want to. So there is a great hike that you can do, uh, pretty much any hiking ability. It's called Mary Mare Falls. It's a really pretty hike. And if you're up for more of a challenge on that same trailhead, you can hike up to Storm King, which you're basically climbing up the side of a mountain with some incredible views. But uh, it's a gorgeous area. And I think you can also rent kayaks and go out on the lake. There's a boat dock. Right. People take their boats out. Just the drive along the lake is, is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's spectacular. But that, that wouldn't take up a full day, although maybe going up to Storm King would probably take take all your energy for a day yeah, now there's other other things kind of within not too far from the lake crescent area that you could also do as part of your perfect day right again on the north side of the park is also hurricane ridge which is gorgeous right. and you drive up 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 to the top and uh, there are a few little hikes up there the views are incredible that, that's a great thing to do, don't you think? Right. You go to the visitor center that's right on the edge of Port Angeles. And right from there, the road goes up. And it, it and very quickly, it turns into forest and pretty thick forest and beautiful, beautiful drive up to mm-hmm. the top. We've been up there in the winter. It's a beautiful area to snowshoe, but also 
in the summer, it's a great place to hike. And the other place you could add in for in one day is uh, Solduck Falls, a beautiful waterfall. And I think there's about a mile hike that takes you over some bridges and you see the falls. And that's also beautiful. So these things are all within pretty close driving distances of each other as compared to some other places in the park. It's a pretty spread out park and you have to sort of drive the perimeter to do anything, to go to the beaches, to go to the rainforest. So ideally, Cindy, you would have days. But if you have one day, I think that would be our recommendation. Yeah, that would be a good introduction. There are so many other parts of that park. It's like multiple national parks. You got the Pacific Ocean where you can hike along the beaches. You got the rainforest. And then interior, you have these peaks and these mountainous hikes. But if you just have one day kind of using Lake Crescent and that lodge area as your base camp, that'd make for a good day. It'd be a great day. If you have a question for us, you can send us an email to mattandkarensmith at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. Go to facebook.com slash dearbobands, or you can find us on Instagram at mattandkarensmith. We'll review all the questions that come in, and we'll be answering some of them in our mailbag segment on future episodes. To see pictures from these parks near Las Vegas, go to www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com and click on the title for episode 14. There you'll find the show notes for this episode and links to other information. Many thanks to all of you who've given us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Matt and I really enjoy reading your sweet comments. Now, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts even if you listen to our show on Google, Spotify, or another podcast app. The books that this podcast is based on are available on Amazon.com. Just search for Dear Bob and Sue. And you can also find more information about us by heading over to www.dearbobandsue.com. Our show is produced by the very talented team at Puddle Creative in Portland, Oregon. Our artwork is by the designers at Expert Subjects, and our theme music is by Will West. I hope this episode gives you some ideas of places to explore beyond the Strip the next time you're in Vegas. And I hope it helps you keep your head above the hot springs water, where the brain-eating parasites are waiting for you. (laughs) 